So we're going to start this evening in, in the book of Hebrews. And so if you have your Bibles with you, would you please join me in Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to be reading verse 1 to 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded, excuse my voice, <clears throat> by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want to focus on verse 2. It says, Looking to Jesus. Some other translations say, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. I read again, looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes, fixing our gaze on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, for who, for, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so if you were to take a lexicon, everybody knows what a lexicon is. It's like if you go into Google and you put in a scripture and you say a lexicon, it'll give you the Greek and the Hebrew word, the definition of this English word. And so when you look at the lexicon of that word looking, it means is to look away from all else and to fix one's gaze upon. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is like, and it's, it's really, it's an instruction to us is that in this Christian walk, he's talking about this, this race that we run, running this race of Christianity, running this race of endurance. As you run this race, we need to keep our gaze on Him. We need to keep our attention, the, the adoration, the affections of our heart, the, 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 the thoughts of our mind fixed on Jesus Christ, looking away from all else, looking away from every other thing that could distract us. And when we get saved, when we get born again, we do this really well. We, we are so thankful when we remember the, the, the sins and the, the lifestyle that He took us out of. We become so fascinated with the person of Jesus Christ. And I love that we sang those songs tonight. We become so fascinated with Him and we, we do everything we can to pursue Him. There's a, there's a parable that Jesus tells, tells sorry, in I think, where is it? Matthew chapter 13. And it talks about a man who, who finds treasure in a field. And he says, the kingdom of God is like a man who finds treasure in a field. He digs it, he finds it, he covers it up. And he says, and he goes and he sells everything to buy that field. And so we start, that's how we, that's how we treat Jesus. When we find him, he, it's like falling in love. You know, those, like those, in that very best beginning, like those butterflies, it's just like so overwhelming that you do anything. Uh, you've heard my stories of walking late at night and just, you know, doing everything you can to be with the one that you love. And so we do that. We, we love Jesus. We're so infatuated with Him. We're so fascinated by Him. We're so in pursuit of Him, of, of knowing Him. But then for some reason, as we walk with Him, our fascination dims. And we do exactly the opposite of what the, the writer in Hebrews tells us is we begin to look at other things. And I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about things that are wrong. I'm talking about things that are part of this Christian life that kind of deviate our attention away from the author of life itself. And so if we go back to Hebrews chapter one, 
It's, it's wonderful how the writer of Hebrews, he mentions some of these things, these things that seek to sift or seek to rather to, to pull our attention or our affection or rather our fascination away from Jesus and onto those things. And so if you go with me to Hebrews chapter one, there's three things that the writer of Hebrews points out in the first three chapters. And the first one we see is in Hebrews chapter one, verse one to three. It says this, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. And listen to verse three. This is the description of Jesus Christ. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. I read again, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. What the writer is saying is that Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's glory. You cannot find a greater expression of the glory of God outside of the person of Jesus Christ. There's some more scriptures I wanna read to you. Colossians chapter two, verse nine. Talking about Jesus says this, for in Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. I read again, for in Him, for in Jesus, the fullness, again, here we see the fullness of God. There's nothing that God holds of Himself, that He holds back from the person of Jesus Christ. He's, it's just like everything we could discover about God, we find in Jesus. We see it again in John chapter one. If you'll go with me there, John chapter one says this, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him and without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Go down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, In Him we have everything talking about Jesus, in Him we have everything we need pertaining to life and to godliness. There is nothing more than you need than Jesus. Everything you, everything you, the desires of your heart are satisfied in the person of Jesus Christ. The needs of your life are satisfied in the person of Jesus. He's the, I just, I can't even find the right words to say. He's just, he's just enough. Jesus is enough within himself. The glory of the Son is enough for every area and every part of our Christian journey. And so we're talking about these things that distract us from the fascination of Jesus. And so we, we, we've gone through these scriptures, we've read in Hebrews that He's the ultimate expression of the glory of the Father. Yet a large part of the church 
are caught up in pursuing the manifestations of the glory of God rather than God Himself. I read again. A large part of the church are caught up in pursuing the manifestations of the glory of God at the expense of God Himself. And so I'm not a cessationist. I fully believe in signs, wonders, miracles, raising the dead. Lovely. Pursue it. Jesus, come. You know, wonderful. But there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a thing that happens. Like we start out loving Jesus, but we can be sidetracked where now we become fascinated with signs and wonders that we become fascinated with the glory cloud and we become fascinated with the gold dust and the, and the jewels that appear in people's Bibles. And we'll, we'll, there's, a, there's a guy, <clears throat> when he preaches, gold dust appears on his clothes. And so whenever he's in town, like the whole of KZN flocks to this meeting, not even to hear anything what he's saying, everyone's just sitting waiting for the gold dust to appear. And they're looking on their clothes and they're looking in the Bible, consumed by a fascination for the manifestation of the glory. Is the manifestation wrong? No. But when that manifestation supersedes my fascination for Jesus, that's where the error comes. That's where the concern comes. That's what the Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews is saying, that Jesus is the one of greater glory. You know, even the, for me especially, I love like the Old Testament, the stories of Moses, you know, climbing up the hills, seeing the face of God and His shining brightness of His face. And I'm like, yo, Lord, I want that. But Jesus is greater than that. Jesus is greater than any healing we could ever see. And so like I said, I'm not a cessationist. You know, yes, we, the Bible even says, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And so we do the works to look at them. When He asks us to heal the sick, we, we heal the sick. If the glory cloud comes, amen. But I don't run around from city to city pursuing the glory cloud. And then I ask you, how's your devotion going? Oh, I don't have time to read my Bible. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a recalibration of our heart. See, a sign and a wonder, it, the name itself describes it. A sign points to a greater reality. And that reality is Jesus. And so you'll see there's like an arrow, it should be an arrow, so I'm going to praise God. There by the door, right? So there's an arrow and there's a little man running. And so if there's a fire in here, I'm not gonna go to the sign and try to jump through the sign to get out. The sign's pointing to a reality. It's pointing to the door saying, this is the way out. But unfortunately, a large part of the church, we get stuck at the fascination of the sign. And we don't actually see what the sign is pointing to in itself. And so signs and wonders are not wrong. They are, they are gospel, they are kingdom but they point to someone. The, the, the glory of Jesus is greater than the glory of a miracle. The glory of Jesus is greater than the glory of the glory cloud, of the shining face, of the gold dust, whatever it is. And so when, what we find is 
when we pursue Jesus, that these things happen. And so I want us just to caution us. I guess just really feel God just like, like it's, re, it's like a compass, just re, what do you call it? When a compass goes back to the true north. There we go. It's going back to true north. The compass is recalibrating in the right direction. And what God wants to do with our hearts is, is refocus us back on Jesus. We do it during worship, but then we step out of here and it's just like, man, we've got all these books about all these things, but we don't even read our Bible. Where is your fascination? Are you fascinated with Him? Does He fascinate you? Or have you let that dwindle? Have you let that die? Are you fascinated by other things? So we need to shift our focus. We need to shift our fascination back unto Jesus. If we go back to Hebrews, the writer continues in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4. He says this. Or let's read from verse 3 again. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And it says this, verse 4, Having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And so there's a trend in modern day Christianity and it's the fascination of angels. If you walk into a CUM or what's that other one? I don't think it exists anymore anyway. You walk into a Christian bookstore, 50% of the books are on angels. And most of them are dodgy. <laughs> it's like how to speak to your angel, you know, how to know the name of your angel. And so it's like, In man, there's an inbuilt mechanism to, fast, to be lured by things that fascinate us. And so the enemy's not gonna, we're not gonna be fascinated with him. He's just like, he doesn't, he's not appealing. And so he will use things that are of the kingdom to lure us away from the fascination of Jesus. And so I guarantee, I don't know if you guys even are aware of this, but the, the fascination of angels is massive in the church today. And so are angels real? Yes. Are they majestic beings? Yes. If an angel had to appear right here, we would all hit the deck. But are we to be consumed by the pursuit of them? No. You might have chatted to someone as I have and they are, quite a few people have told me they're pursuing angelic encounters. And so I was looking through my Bible today, I even looked on Google and I was looking, is there, like is that sound doctrine? Yes, angelic visitations are real because we see them in the Bible. But did anyone ever pursue that? No. Well, let's look at two examples. The first one 
is in Acts chapter 10. In verse 1 to 4, it says that at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, giving alms generously to the people. And listen to this, and he prayed continually to? To? And then what happened? And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. He was pursuing Jesus. He, was pursu- he wasn't pursuing an angelic visitation. Guys, you have to get, I don't know if that's applicable to anyone here tonight, but you need to realign, you need to recalibrate your heart. If, if, your, if your desire is an angelic visitation, you need to recalibrate. Why would I seek a being that when I put him here and I compare him to Jesus, why not seek and Jesus' visitation. Why not seek a, a Jesus encounter? The glory is the fullness of the glory. An angel is just, Bible says, a mere servant. It's actually there in Hebrews chapter one, verse 14. It says, he, angels are servants of us. And so we've got to be very careful that we don't become fascinated with angels because what it does eventually leads to the, to the worship of angels. So in Revelation chapter 22, verse nine to 10, let me just find it. John has this angelic encounter. He says this in verse eight, I, John, am the one who heard and saw them these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. And he says this, worship God. Again, are angels real? Yes, if God had to open our eyes to the spirit realm in this place, they would be all around us. Do I become fascinated by them? No. I pursue Jesus. I become fascinated with Him. I become fascinated with His Word. And when I speak His Word, the Bible tells me that angels obey the voice of His Word. And so the Hebrews has gone through those two things. The so first one is the, the manifestations of glory against the person of glory himself. Angels versus the creator of angels. It's like, it, if when you think of it like that and you weigh it up on the scale, it's like, it doesn't make sense why my heart is so drawn to these things. You know, and, and while we're on angels, there's, why is there such a fascination with the demonic? He's not worthy of our attention, guys. You know, we like read all these books and all these articles about the devil and how powerful these strongholds are and la da 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 da. Really? We become so fascinated with him. It's terrible. Again, it's the, it's the lure of the enemy. Luring us, it's luring us. It's not wrong, it's not unbiblical but it's capturing our affection. 
And so now I'm so consumed about demons that I come to church and I'm not even worshiping. Like, who's manifesting? Oh, that one's got a demon. I can, I can what's, perceive it in my spirit. Something's smelling. Yeah. You know, and we're like, that's it. And we're so, we are so distracted. It's like we come here for Jesus. Jesus is like standing here, worship me. We're like, oh, under the chair, I can see one. It's, you know, just, if it, one guy said like this, love Jesus. If a demon gets in the way, pull the trigger and move on. That's it. You've given authority over them, cast them out and carry on. They're not worthy. He's not worthy of our attention. He's not worthy of our affection. The next thing in Hebrews, if we go to Hebrews chapter three, verse one to six, says this. Hebrews chapter three says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. And so what the, the writer of Hebrews is addressing is that the Jewish people were fascinated with Moses. You even see in the Gospels where Jesus would have these interactions with him. It's like you guys, you you. It's like John chapter five and John chapter seven. Like Jesus, like you guys, you you talk about the writings of Moses and how great Moses was. But Moses prophesied about me, and I'm standing before you, and you can't even see me. And so what they did, they exalted a person over the Christ Himself. They exalted the the teachings of Moses over the teachings of Jesus. In John chapter seven, Jesus gives an example. Moses said, don't do this on the Sabbath, but I say you can do it on the Sabbath, yet you wanna kill me because Moses said this, but I said this. And so they, they follow the, the teachings of Moses over the teachings of Christ. And so they exalt a person. They become fascinated, like the Jews, like at that time, fascinated with Moses, fascinated with Abraham. You know, that was their claim to fame. We are children of Abraham. You know, we are the great ones. You know, he is our father of faith. And then the one who comes, who created Abraham, stands before them and they can't even recognise him because in their hearts, they've put man on a pedestal. And so we have to be so careful because we too, we can fall into the trap where we become fascinated with men and women of God. And so God has gifted the body of Christ with teachers. We know that. And we meant to learn from them. But if I spend more time listening to my favourite teacher than I do listening to the Spirit of Christ, the teacher himself, then something's wrong. 
You know, I invite my friends to my house and I show them my book collection. Look, guys, I've got all these books. Every one of his books that he's written, I've read all of them three times. But I don't even know where my Bible is. Do you know where your Bible is? It's here at church. There's five Bibles here. <laughs> They've been here for two weeks. <laughs> one of them yours. Oh, why do you people? Oh, on your phone. Oh, nice. Uh, technology. Well done. <laughs> but guys, there's five Bibles here. They've been here for two weeks. If your Bible is, you don't know where your Bible is, please speak to Otis at the end of your service. He would like to give it to you. You've been reading your book of your favorite author too much that you don't even know you forgot your Bible at church. It's just like an ornament that you bring to church to put on your chair. Look, guys, I got a Bible. Yeah, seat saver. <laughs> Place card, that's what my Bible's for. <laughs> you know, it's, we, and it's just, I know we've allowed the culture of the world to invade the culture of the church. Where it's like this whole celebrity thing. And it's like, whoa, this guy, or this woman, you know, did you hear? <laughs> Once I was speaking to someone, and they're like, did you hear what this guy said? And they told me what he said. But what they told me was actually a scripture in the Bible. <laughs> Seriously. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I wish we could treat Jesus like a celebrity. Oh, so and so is in the country. Ooh, we'll travel to Cape Town, travel to Joburg, pay a cost. Jesus is standing right before us. Oh, I'm so tired. I don't know. I don't really feel like it today. Yet he's, when you compare him to a man, compare him to a woman, it's just like, you know, and, and there's a danger of when we, when we become fascinated with men and women of God over Jesus. Like I said, are they role models for us? Yes. Are they gifts to the body of Christ from whom we learn? Absolutely. But again, it's just, it's just for all of these things, the angels, the signs and the wonders, it's just stepping over that line that I'm not supposed to step over. That, that, that line of, of fascination, that line of pursuit, when I know I'm just going over, I've stepped over the boundary of pursuing the heart of Jesus. And so he's saying just, Step back. Step back in your pursuit of him. Become fascinated with him again. And so in First Corinthians chapter 10, like I said, there's a danger when we become fascinated with men and women of God. First Corinthians chapter 10, no, chapter one, sorry, verse 10. Paul writes, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Kepha, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptised in the name of Paul? Reading in verse 10, it says, there's a report of divisions among you. Why? Because people have become fascinated 
in this church, this group is fascinated with Paul. This group is fascinated with Apollos. And this group is fascinated with Peter. And now there's division amongst them. And they, because they, well, Peter, Peter said this, and he's got a greater revelation than what Apollos had. No, no, man, but Apollos said this. No, but Paul said this, you know. And we, it's like we do it. We have our favorite teachers and we, we compare them to each other. And we get in arguments and we get in quarrels amongst ourselves about the people that we're following. And even you go, it's ridiculous. You go on YouTube, there's like YouTube channels dedicated where people just slam other people. It's like that's the whole point of their broadcast to slam what this guy said or to slam this church or to, to well, this doctrine's wrong or don't sing this song. It's like, what the heck? It comes so, ugh. It's, it's really so stupid. If we just... Keep the fascination of Jesus. Just fix your gaze on Him. There's no space for all this division and all this strife and all this disharmony. So yes, learn from your teachers. Go on to, yeah, I'm going to say go on to YouTube. Shucks. It's weird stuff on YouTube. But we are on YouTube, so maybe we will. <laughs> they probably say that about us. Don't follow those guys on on YouTube. They're weird, man. They're just so weird stuff. <laughs> Be careful what you listen to, please. But yes, listen. But this is the greatest teacher. Spend more time. Become fascinated by his teachings. I mean, when was the last time you read the Gospels? The teachings of Jesus Christ, the, the parables of Jesus. When do we, when we, and when we read it, it's like, finished. Or do I, do I become fascinated by them? Do I, do I let them draw me into them? And what does this mean, Lord? Do I, do I seek out the treasure and the nuggets? Do I begin to mine it and to, to look for the gold in the teachings of Jesus Christ? Or do I just go onto YouTube and watch what this guy is saying? Where is our fascination? Jesus is everything. Absolutely everything you could ever need or ever desire. Just to behold Him and there's contentment in that. I'm going to end with the last scripture in Hebrews. We read it just now, Hebrews chapter 3. But there's a word I want us to look at in verse 1. It says, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in the heavenly calling, it says this, consider Jesus. That word considered means this, it means to behold. It means to discover. It means to perceive. I love this. It says, to think from up to down. In other words, he, he stands before you and you behold him and you, you gaze at him. And you gaze at him down and you think and you draw all your attention and all your affection to him. It means to concentrate by fixing one's thinking, to perceive clearly, to understand fully. And so as we close, I want want to really encourage you this evening. Fix your gaze. Consider Jesus. 
Behold Jesus. Let him capture your affection. Let him capture your attention. And I guarantee you'll find that he's all that you need. See, those, all those things, they, they're from him, but they can't satisfy like him. They're just they're peripheral things. They're important things. Look, but when compared to him, they, there's no comparison. And so recalibrate your heart. I don't know where you are in your pursuit of God. Maybe, and maybe it's even something I haven't mentioned tonight. Like I said, it's not even sin. It's not, it's not bad. It's just something that's captured our gaze. See, when Jesus, when the, 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 the writer of Hebrews said, you know, fix your gaze on Jesus, it wasn't just at the point of salvation. That's every day for the rest of your life. Today, fix your gaze on him. Tomorrow, fix your gaze. 10 years time, I fix my gaze. I fix my gaze. I fix my gaze. I behold him. I make him the pursuit of my heart. I make him the reason why I come to church. I make him the reason why I wake up in the morning. I make him the reason why I go to sleep at night. I make him the reason why I pray, the reason why I read my Bible, the reason why I fellowship. Let's just be so consumed with Jesus absolutely fascinated by this person of Jesus Christ. And you'll just, like I said, all this other stuff, you pursue it and it never happens. But when you pursue Jesus, then you see that stuff start happening.